Good evening, Patriots, and it's Friday, June 17th in the year 2022, and it's already Saturday on the East Coast, which we're racing to very quickly, so I hope everybody's going to have both a blessed evening and a blessed morning, so how's that? Patriots, one of the things you have to be careful of right now is getting a good night's sleep, and that company to get good sleep products from is my pillow. Now, as you might know, my pillow was just deplatformed from, or canceled, I guess I should say, by Walmart because of Mike Lindell's continued fight for election for election integrity. And it's just another reminder of why we don't want to be buying from big box stores and corporate chains. My pillow is a basically a consumer direct company, direct to Patriots, run by a great patriot, Mike Lindell. I'm unbelievable quality and great value. And you can take advantage of those values with your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. So if you head on over to MyPillow.com forward slash BARDS, MyPillow.com forward slash BARDS, you'll find all the great savings featured right now. One of the big sales right now is the classic MyPillow, and it's on for $19.88 with your promo code BARDS. Also, the continued sale on for $90 off on a pair of My Slippers, and there's a whole new line of those slippers. They are like the all-terrain, super four-wheel drive, three-inch lifted, super cool with, with mud tires. Little exaggeration there. <laughs> Slippers, the ones you can't possibly live without. So head on over to MyPillow.com. You'll love it. You'll get all the things you need for your bedroom, all the things you need for your sleep, all the things you need for your home. MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, promo code Bards. And, of course, if you want to speak to a real live person, you can call 800-975-2939, 800-975-2939, and there is a Patriot Pillow Counselor sitting on standby waiting for you. MyPillow.com, promo code Bards. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on here, and as I spoke about earlier in the previous, or in the previous show, I was talking about the rise of the CBDC and that how most of this economy collapse is engineered. That's interesting because just tonight on Zero Hedge, an article posted at 8.40 p.m. So I say that because it was during or after the show. And I want you to, I want to read a quote here. It's quite interesting. Production of fiat money is not the same as real production within the economy. Trillions of dollars in public works programs might create more jobs, but it will also inflate prices as the dollar goes into decline. So unless wages are adjusted constantly according to price increases, people will have jobs, but still won't be able to afford a comfortable standard of living. This leads to stagflation, in which prices continue to rise while wages and consumption stagnate. Another catch-22 to consider is that if inflation becomes rampant, a Federal Reserve may be compelled or claim they are compelled to raise interest rates significantly in a short span of time. This means an immediate slowdown in the flow of overnight loans to major banks and an immediate slowdown in loans to large and small businesses, an immediate crash in credit options for consumers, and an overall crash in consumer spending. 
you might recognize this recipe that created the 1981 to 1982 recession, the worst in the 20th century. In other words, the choice is stagflation or deflationary depression. We have some hard choices to make in the coming months, and it's not going to be easy. Food prices are going up, as we will hear here. Morning, folks. Um, just a word, the inflation rate came in this morning about eight at 8.6. They were expecting 8.3, so it's higher than they were expecting. Um, it's not good. We're having a lot of trouble. Farm prices are uh, way up. Eggs especially, 22% right now. Um, diesel fuel is killing us. Uh, fertilize is killing us. Um, everything that uh, that goes into your food supply is uh, is outrageous right now. Uh, we're fixing to have a, a more of a spike in the fuel. The additives that goes into the diesel fuel is becoming short supplied. Um, also, something that it, that I noticed this morning: 50%. We've crossed the 50% line of farmland that's been taken out of production. Now, some of that granted is through subsidies, but a very, very small amount. Most of that is because of production costs uh, are not allowing the farm to, to be per, uh, planted um, for, for future harvest. So there goes your food prices going up again. Um, continue to help your neighbor. We're way far from being over with this. Um, we're, we're in deep trouble. This economy is being destroyed right now from within. Uh, there's no doubt about it now. I've been talking about this since February. There's, there's no doubt about it. We're in deep, deep trouble. There's going to be a lot of farms. There's going to be a lot of businesses that uh, are not going to make it. So continue to help your neighbor, and, and we'll do the best we can. I think that's the key piece right there. And it is time right now to really build those connections and be prepared to help your neighbor. Prepping is, in my opinion, prepping is based on two simple principles to ensure some fundamentals for the home, but also ensure that there's excess to help others. And that isn't to build an excess so that it's a charity program. That's not what we're talking about. But we need to get into the habit now of assisting others. This is a time when we, whenever we can help others as God leads, we're really doing his greatest bidding. And there's nothing more empowering than walking that path in helping others. So if you don't do it, I don't. I mean, I'm not making any judgment, but here's the thing: we there's a lot of this aspect of tithing to a church. Now you've heard me talk about this before. It's been a while, but I'm going to kind of get on a bit of it tonight. I'm very much against tithing to the 501c3. I think it's dumb. It's just a corporate entity, and worse than that, I think it's I personally my opinion of tithing to the 501c3 church is it's blasphemous because what you're doing is giving a tithe to a church in the expectation of a tax write-off and a kickback from the government. That is everything wrong about the principle of the tithe. I would encourage 
everyone at this point in time to just, if, you, if you're going to church, to stop that tithe and start finding direct tithes that cut the middle man out. Meaning when somebody needs help, assist them. If you have opportunity to find a family to support, do so. And, and do these things as a, as a rather of course, wherever we can. And reason I, and if all of us are doing some little thing, and I, and I mean that truly, tithing is in many forms. It doesn't have to be financial. It can be giving time. It can be giving. There's different ways to tithe. We, we equate everything in terms of dollars. So we're not, but helping thy neighbor, helping your neighbor is not necessarily just dollars. I would, at least I would hope it wouldn't be. The church format is always dollars. And this is the thing that really bothers me when we go to in the church system, it's, you know, you go there, the offering plate comes around, throw some money in there. And then if you don't throw up money, there's, I don't know anybody that hasn't been through this. If you don't put money, you just feel like all the eyes are on you going like, okay, is he going to, is he going to put a dollar in there? Is he going to put 20? I better take a look. Cause I got to figure out how much I've got in my wallet right now. Cause I don't want to be outdone by Jim. Jim's going to put in 20. I better put in at least 20 because otherwise it's not going to look good in the social circle. You see, that that's the game. And 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 I I can't I truly I don't do it. So I, I'm I think personally that God is resetting the church right now in a beautiful way. He's raising up his true believers and we are giving given an opportunity to truly live into the God's meaning and purpose. And with that, it means we need to be setting up the place where we can help one another and listening to his calling to do that and lead that forward. And that comes in many forms. This is, I've talked about county by county, which by the way, tomorrow afternoon, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, we're Resistance Chicks and I are doing a show on Clout Hub on gardening, if you want to tune in. It'll be on small ur- homesteads, urban homesteads. Um, so here, here's the deal with the county-by-county county model. The whole principle of the county-by-county county model is really to, as I've said many times, regain that sovereignty in our homes and to reset that control point so that we can become stronger in our communities and become that center point of influence that we need to be. And that gives us an ability to communicate differently when we're not desperate and not needing to rely on the dependency of others. So we've built up a capacity to work with, to lead in the terms of giving. Um, or to lead in the purpose of just bringing people together. I am openly a little bit concerned about the state of the nation, not in the sense that I don't think enough people are paying attention to this coming storm. And I've talked many times about this, that the the big issue that I have is that too many people in the political sphere are wrapped around the political game. And that's where many of the influencers have settled. And they're not paying enough attention to the devastation that's on its way. The dollar has to be de- destroyed. And I think that people are resting on this hopeful strategy that somehow everybody will be okay through this, that patriots are in control, white hats are in control, and that there's going to be some gallant white force 
white-hatted force that will sweep in and save the day. Look, if, if that ends up happening, we'll clink glasses and say, oh, that was cool. But the fact is that hope is not a strategy. And if we look at things that way, this isn't with the magnitude of what we're dealing with with the collapse of Babylon. It really doesn't make any sense anyway. We are the center of this evil. And that's the hardest part that's going to be to realize is that as the world is now literally turned against the U.S. government and is turning more every day, we have to be strong as a people, both in our faith and in our our stewardship of what God's giving us, to endure the storm, to rise up and to reset this country. The choice ultimately is going to be ours of where we go with this nation. The truths will eventually trickle out, whether it's some Q unit that does it or whether it's the people that bring it out. The truths themselves are percolating out. That's not even a question. It's happening now. And part of that is the master plan of God anyway, because in all of this, God is shaking so many different directions that he's bringing all things to light, which is an amazing moment to live, no doubt. But our government, having been the instrument of terror for the world, is now becoming the focal point of many global boycotts and refusal to accept the U.S. dollar. Because now suddenly with the rise of Russia and backing their ruble with gold and having the strength to do that, there's an option for some countries to move a different direction. And the Rothschild's banking system is slowly being eroded as the paper currency, which has no value, is eroded away. But within, the, within that collapse, there's this rush to set up this CBDC, which I talked about in the previous hour. And they're going to try to keep Americans in the dark and blind and obedient to this Tower of Babylon as they point the rest, to the rest of the world as the evil empires. And it will constantly be them versus us if they get their way. We can't control a strategic narrative. It's not possible. But what we can control is the local and tactical narrative. That's where we operate. And the beauty of that is that the more that we become sensitized to the truth, the more that we share the sensitiveness to the truth, the awareness of truth, the less influence the strategic narratives have on people's lives. One of the things that is constantly ongoing right now with a strategic narrative that's swinging back and forth and back and forth is people are left in a fatigued and anxiety level state. And these are conversations that I have enough with different folks to see how this is affecting them. And it's easy enough to get them back to a grounding place, but always within those discussions is the reminder that God has us here for a reason and we're walking through a process that we need to walk through, but that we need to stop putting our reliance that God's going to fix this whole thing. God's working through us and God's hand is revealing things and we're seeing the world being exposed. But we can never forget the fact that God also gave us free will. And there's a lot at stake right now here for us to see the errors of our ways and our sins 
and for us to make new choices as we go ahead. That to me is what is one of the greatest opportunities and most exciting moments we all are sharing right now. So let's go back to the food prep thing because I find it interesting. If you're going to be a kind of a classic stereotype, let me put it that way, a stereotype prepper, you're going to have a bunker somewhere. You're going to have a probably a gun bunker and you're going to have a survival bunker. You're going to have all your food stored away. And you're going to be ready for when that moment hits and everything falls apart. You're going to be locking and loading and locking up your house and getting your go bags ready and have your food stores there and maybe on a second fallback shelter somewhere. And you're ready to like throw your flag in the ground and say, I'm going to die on this hill. But in that equation, there isn't anything in there that says I need to help my neighbor. And I, and again, I'm profiling this as a stereotype. I'm not a, suggesting that that's how people are. But that's kind of the stereotype. When we start to look at a transition rather than looking at it end of times, that God is moving through, moving us through a time when we're going to be able to witness truth and be able to make decisions on how we want to be. I know what I want to walk into. I know what I want to leave behind. I don't want to be going back to the place where it's constantly about scarcity and constantly about grubbing up whatever little you can and having to be constantly wondering if someone's going to try to steal what you have. That's whether we actively live it or passively live it. That is the basic framework of the world that we're in. So it's pretty amazing when we get to a place with God and, and we're reminded, and I, I was, some time back, I was, God had put on my heart to do some things for some folks. And as I have shared with you, I mean, I see all that I have as God's. I'm just a steward of whatever I have, whether I have $5, whether I have $50,000, or whether I have a bicycle or whether I have a car whether I have a pair of flip-flops or whether I have a pair of boots. I mean, these are all God's things that he's given me to work in my life and to use the best of I can and steward it well. And I'm humbled by everything that God's provided for me. And I'm even humbled by the times when God has had me work through my life with very little. Because there's been twice in my life, just to be very honest about my path, there has been two points in my life where I have literally lost everything. Everything. And those are pretty humbling moments. And you discover in those processes, you discover a lot about your relationship to things and you discover even more deeply your relationship with God. And every part of that is just about, as I, for my life, because I've got to just return that in to me and just, opened up so many things to my life that it's just unbelievable that I, I'm humbled by how much has been gifted. And it's really taught me a process in life of the importance of really sharing as much as, as possible with what God gifts. That's a different world than we're currently in. 
And yet it's a world that I know in my heart that if we lived it, everything would change. I mentioned in the end of the last show that our most powerful vote is with the purse, what we have in money and our exchanges on a daily basis. What I didn't say and needs to be said is when we are gifting, that's a power of the purse. And when we're choosing to help others rather than to buy for ourselves in whatever form that takes, whether it's baking bread for somebody, giving them cookies, helping them out financially, helping them out with labor, praying for somebody, many different forms that that can take. We're shifting a couple of very important principles in the world that we're from where we're in to where we're going. One is just the perspective that we can build a world based on trust in God. Because the other world says that, like, we'll pray and we'll say, God, you know, blah, blah, blah. But we're somehow our money and our source of money seems to be detached from God. So sometime back when I was going through this, and this was a real interesting experience for me because I was, God had put in my heart to do some things for some, for some people. And I was in this place of just like, okay, God, but you know, I'm, I'm a little concerned. And I, and I said this in my prayers, I'm a, I'm a little concerned because this is going to, I just want to make sure there's going to be an, enough in my finances to cover these things. And I, <laughs> I still laugh at this. And it was literally, this was what was put within me. It's like, who's giving you those finances anyway? And I'm like, all right, got me there. Okay, and then I start to do the justification thing. It's like, yeah, but I didn't really mean that. I, You know, it's like what I'm looking at now is kind of like where we are and if there's going to be enough. And, and the next words were, since when am I, have I ever been limited by what I can give and to give you? And it was just a real interesting, very eye-opening moment and reminder that when we truly trust in God and we're truly there, we're in a, an amazing place of unlimited everything's unlimited. He has all the resources we possibly need. Our problem and the problem, in my opinion, is that we constantly try to frame what we receive as something of this world. When we let go of that and realize that God's going to use resources all around us in many different ways, each one of us is as wealthy as we're willing to accept. And that's a big paradigm shift because we are living in a very finite world And when we open ourselves up to a broader space in life, truly trusting in God, then it's a rather profound experience. A number of years ago, I was, when I just started this podcast, I was in the process of making out a list one day of new equipment. I needed to get some new mics in particular. And I needed a new sound processor and a few other things. So I, I sat down and I started to write out my list and I was going, I was making two lists. One list was what I could afford. And the other list 
was what I wanted to acquire. And I was hoping I could afford it in about two years. It's what I would call my professional list. And I, would, I was looking at that list. Obviously, that list was top-notch, top-end. And the other list was where I could just squeak it by on my budget. And I didn't, if you remember, I never followed that many people on Twitter, but I did follow a number of people. And one of them, and I don't even know how I ended up following this person, but they sent me a direct message on Twitter and they said, I need to talk to you. And I don't do that typically. But this one, I was like, all right. So I put out my cell number and this person calls me. And they get on the phone and they start and they say, you don't know who I am but God knows who I, who you are. And God has put you on my heart. I said, okay. And they said, um, I need to give you some money. I said, well, I appreciate that. And then they went on to say, because God's told me that you need new mics. This is a true story. I was stunned. I didn't even know what to say because I had not told anyone ever mentioned to anyone that I needed and I was getting new mics and wanted new mics. So I, it was, at a person at this point, I was not really open to this sort of, I didn't really know what to say, to be honest with you, other than thank you and humbled and that sort of thing. And so I, I was kind of, I was like, well, I've got, I'm putting together a list. And they said, okay, well, just let me know. And let me know so I can send you some money. And I, he wanted my PayPal. I gave him my PayPal. Well, a couple of days went by, and I hadn't got back to the lists, and I'm still kind of overwhelmed a little bit with what had just happened. And they called me again. They said, do you have the list? And I said, no, I don't. I said, I was trying to work out two lists, as, as I told them, and I said, I was trying to still get the refinement on the prices on both. And they said, okay, I, I'm just going to send you what God told me to send you, and I'm just going to send it to you right now. Because God hit me up again in prayer, and, and I'm sending you this. And so I, I finished the list that day, and the money came in that afternoon. And it was what they were called to do. And those two lists, remember I said there was one I could afford and one I wanted to, but it was significantly higher, like three times higher. Well, the money they sent was within $100 of the upper list. That's what God had put on their heart to send. I bring this story up because it's, an, it's a reminder to me of how God wants, I believe how God wants this world to work. We each are given resources and we're each are given things to steward. And in, the, in God's world, it's not an egalitarian world. It's not a place where everybody has a UBI. This is Satan's world, literally. You all are going to have a fixed income and you'll all be happy and you will spend it. But the problem is that you will own nothing. You will rent everything. We will charge you up the wazoo for everything. You will never have excess, but you will be happy. That's kind of the world of, of the Luciferian order. God's world is more along these lines. You will all have resources. Some will have more than others. But when I call upon you and put on your heart, I need you to use some of those resources for others. And we're all using our resources in one way or another for others. When you start to work a model like that, that's not a financially mappable model. It's not a model where everybody makes money on Wall Street and somebody 
they accumulated at the expense of somebody else's labor. That's not that type of model. This is a sovereign type model. We're each doing our, our gifts and talents. We're each earning a wage and earning a living of some fashion through the gifts and talents that we're given. And then we're using in that tithe sense, we're using our tithes to enhance one another. And I believe truly that as we walk deeper into that model, God speaks more clearly to each one of us. I think right now it's difficult for many to hear God because this is such a chaotic, noisy space that we are walking in. It is, this is like, literally, I feel sometimes like it's like heavy metal banging in your head all day long or even worse, death metal. And it's hard at times to find that serenity that God provides in the beauty and simplicity of his voice. But it's always there. And I think as we start to work more deeply into the places of the cheerful giver, and we're building into that more and more as not something that's a special act, but something that's a regular course of living in our life that we just simply do it whenever it's put on our heart or what, whatever that point is. We're starting to build something that is so powerful and so tremendous. It's beyond our vision to understand how great it really is because we're transforming a world, a fabric of a world for that matter, of how every relationship is built. When you consider somebody who's been abused, this is a good example in the sense that someone as abused is going to be suspect of every relationship that has ever been. And because they're going to be suspect, it's going to be very difficult to have trust. The world we're in right now is, in my opinion, not repairable. And when I say it has to come to the ground, I mean completely. And if you're honest with yourself with what I'm going to say next, I I think if you're honest with yourself, you'll agree with me. Regardless of how you feel about President Trump or other people, the fact of the matter is I I sincerely doubt that anybody has implicit trust anymore in any form of government or politicians. I would hope they don't. And that's a core issue in our nation that we're not going to be able to get over anytime soon. The trust in our military has been depleted. And I've said this before, at least in conversations I've had, and I think here as well, that when you're dealing with, even if you're dealing with a deception war, this is one of the casualties that comes about in an information war, where deception and psyop have to be critical components in winning the war. So let's just take the example that the military and all this LGBTQ nonsense and it's pride crap that it's doing. Let's just say, for example, that that's all a front, a psyop to fool the enemy. And that in fact, that they're not that way at all. Let's just say that's the case, which isn't true, but let's just say that's the case. The damage that they've had to do to their reputation of trust in the public will not be easily earned back. And as we've seen, the many in here that we've actually seen corruption within the military, and we've seen people who have taken the vax and stand by it, and we've, we've heard soldiers even and commanders, and I know some, that believe that everybody needs to take the vax. There shouldn't be any question about it. And they would have no problem imposing it forcefully. 
the credibility of the military has been ravaged. Its trust is gone. It doesn't mean we won't trust them at all, but everybody should be suspect of them first. That's just healthy. That should go with everybody. But it's all of that is built on the fact that we're living in an extractive type world. Everybody's taking for themselves. And we're not building a community and helping one another. Imagine if your military was deployed and all of a sudden you saw them in, on up and down the road, not doing checkpoints and dragging people out of their cars, but instead your military was out every day building bridges with the engineers. You had National Guard members making sure that people were getting food that needed food. You had Navy CBs out building huts for homeless. Imagine the perception shift that that would make. And over time, we would rebuild trust as an example. And in that example, we'd probably rebuild it pretty quickly. In God's world, that's kind of the whole thing, is that there is a place where we're all leaning forward and we're all pushing into a future. We're paying forward. We're not relying on what's coming because we know the difference is in the world we're in right now, we're waiting for that paycheck or that whatever our money source is coming from the state. But in the world where God is, we're accepting that what's coming at us is as, is whatever we need. And here's the tr- tricky part is that sometimes that changes, meaning that sometimes we're giving and sometimes we're receiving. And that's part of our growing. But the big difference is that we're completely in trust with him as we walk. And we're paying into a future, paying forward, if you will, the goodwill that he's put within us. And we're simply following wherever he takes us. And that means that at times when we get to a place where he wants us to learn to receive, we look at this in the current world as we failed. If somebody has to receive something, too many people frame that as, I couldn't do it myself, therefore I have failed. That's not God's world. God's world is receiving humbly, giving humbly. And in doing so, we're each learning part of a greater process of who God wants us to be. Humility is at the core of that. And that type of world is resilient. It's a type of world that becomes more attentive, attentive and more attuned to who we are. It's not a world, like I said, of egalitarianism, not even close. And it's a world that's very viscerally real because there's going to be moments when others are in desperate need and some are in moderate need and others where people have an excess amount. And it also doesn't say that if you have an excess amount like this full world we're living right now, that you have to take it all away and you have to redistribute the wealth equally among people. That is not the way God works. And yet, this interwoven nature of a world that God is is leading us into, at least the world that I'm witnessing, the world that I'm living in, is so amazingly profound because it develops something very precious that we lack in the current world we're in, and that's empathy. 
And from the root of empathy comes love. And it's a deep, passionate, caring love for one another and a deep empathy for where people come from and the honesty of who they are. And even more powerful is in this place where God is, when you get somebody that's, say, say you run into somebody that's grifting and they're wanting to just take advantage of your kindness, the beautiful part of that is, so what? So let's say you, you do a, you're giving to somebody who says they're in need, but they're not really in need. Good luck with that because you've just received a gift from God and it will change you whether you want to be changed or not. We're in a really profound time right now. Profound. An opportunity, literally have, having been given the keys, keys to this world. An opportunity to work closely with God to make new choices in our path ahead. To choose a different world. You know, you've heard me talk about bifurcation. It's out there. If you're looking at the esoterics, they're always talking about bifurcation, that the world is dividing. I don't know. I, and I, you know, I, I've talked about these things in terms of faith and science, and it's all potentially possible. But here's the bottom line. If we're choosing to shape a different world based on a constant relationship of trust in God and giving in all that we do, always looking towards that process of giving into the world, we are changing the world. There is a new earth developing right before us. There is a bifurcation of the most amazing kind there is happening, and it is an exodus in so many ways. The, re the regime of tithe, like I said earlier in the church, is money in the bucket, money in the pot, money in the plate. But there's no human aspect to that. There's no empathy in that. That's just giving to an institution. And I, I guarantee you, if I gave this conversation in the middle of a church, they'd probably ask me to leave in most of them because what I'm striking at is their revenue. And I don't care about church's revenue. I care about stewarding what God gives me and gives the world and how we steward it better. That's what I care about. And in the end, as we steward those gifts we are building bridges. It is one person at a time. It is local. And all that other garbage up top doesn't make any difference because once we've worked in that place, we're doing things the way God wants us to do things in such profound ways that change people's lives in ways that we have no measure or understanding. As long as we're following where he leads us, we're part of his greater plan. And all of that ultimately is about his love for each of us and his persistent and consistent reach to bring us home. What an amazing path, mission, journey to be sharing with Father. And we are literally boots on the ground. Patriots, let's pray. Father, we just thank you this evening just for a very beautiful reflection on the gift that you've given us and a beautiful time in which we live and an opportunity to see truth, an opportunity to see the true nature of the world in, in which we live. 
and the opportunity to make a choice now, to make new choices, choices in alignment with where you want us to be, choices in a world where we trust in you at such an amazing level that we begin to give through you, not as a matter of opportunity, but just as a matter of life and breath. Father, we just pray tonight for that just empowerment of the world of giving, to have everybody experience it, and to be reminded of just what an amazing gift that is in itself, to be touched by the giving and be touched by the receiving. We just thank you for all that you've given us and continue to give us. May we be reminded that that giving always needs to continue to move forward, not just to take for our personal needs. Thank you, Father. We're humbled. Guide us, lead us, and we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So I'll leave you with a bit of a challenge for the weekend, something to think about. I would encourage you to seek out an opportunity to give to give with a joyous heart, whatever that looks like, with whoever that's for, and then do it again. Because once we touch it, that's greater wealth than anything we could ever imagine. I was, I can say honestly that when in my relationship with Father, I've said to him openly, I never imagined being so wealthy as I am now, not because I have money, because I'm not wealthy in money, but because of the whole understanding and appreciation that he continues to shine down on me of giving. That's true wealth at the core. And again, what do we learn from that? Our world we live in is an inversion. Wealth here is accumulation. In God's world, wealth is giving. Wealth here is the size of your bank account. Wealth in God's world is that we are depleting our bank account, knowing that he will refill it again so we can continue the process of giving. What an amazing concept. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. Prayers for giving. We need a lot of it. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We're at war, but we can redefine and reshape this battlefield with giving. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow night for Fishers of Men or tomorrow at Clout Hub at 6 p.m. on a whole discussion with the resistance chicks on gardening. It'll be awesome. So until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing through Fight for all we had to lose Reaching out for something To pull us up to level ground oh.
sets down over the hill where the lost got found. Reaching through somehow. Oh, you're an island when the world is too loud. When the seasons change, I know the space between us will stay the same. Resting on this faith, when your soul answers calls far away. Safe place to hide from the rain.